in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Chrissy Wallace, you've outdone yourself (laughs) Well, I don't think it's me. I think it's our wonderful listeners that just each week surprise me more and more with these stories they have. Well, if I may make a comparison, a wonderful, skillful sommelier does not have to (laughs) brew the wine for it to be good. You brew wine, don't you? Yes, you brew it. Yeah, you brew wine. (laughs) You don't have to cook it in the pot like mm-hmm. we all know wine is made yeah uh to to appreciate the skills so our our listeners are the vintners and you are the sommelier <laughs> oh well I that's very it. kind and i'm ready to take a sip swirl it around i'm not spinning out though no I, don't, I never do i'll tell you what i worked in the wine industry for years i never spit never yeah. we went to this like right before we got married it was like a mega like date before we went to carte blanche in dallas and she's like I accidentally said yes when there was a wine-up charge in Paris. was like, oh, God, today. Because it comes with tea, and they will charge you for oh, wine. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say it was like 12 pours of wine. And I was Ooh. like, I'm not going to spit these out. Hell no. You got to carry me in the car, babe. <laughs> not for that money. No, get it. No, yeah. I mean, once I pay for it, it's going down the hatch. So mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate it, and I'm ready to just swirl, uh, swallow, and provide what get we can Get some cheese, crackers, oh, yeah. grapes, whatever you'd like. Or I don't know, whatever. What do you... Cheetos, dots, whatever you mm-hmm. want, candy yeah. or pretzels, whatever you like to eat with your wine. There's no judgment here. Just take you know, a Cheeto, dip, dip it in it. the red wine, mm-hmm. <laughs> shake it, shake it, and then you know uh, what? Right that doesn't sound terrible. You know what? If my daughter <laughs> was old enough to drink, she would do that because she pairs the most bizarre things. But then you go, huh? I can Good. see that, and then yeah. And then uh, yesterday, she put a bunch of shredded cheese on top of some mashed banana on a piece of bread and ate it. So is it good? She she has never said her concoctions are not good. She gets that from her mama. She got the taste, <laughs> the flavor profiles. She's I collect- don't taste she's connecting them because I just trust her yeah. opinion. Yeah. So she's either very biased and she refuses to admit <laughs> what she's done was an abomination, or she just genuinely likes everything. I'll say. Which do you like better, the the raspberry or the grape flavor? I like them both. She's Love you know that. she just she likes everything. So well, yeah. she uh, I think that that could be her concoction. Then maybe someday when she's older, mm-hmm. Cheetos and red wine. It there sounds you like go. delicious to me. There you go. Well, yeah, we've got a lot of. Uh, well, I always say a lot. We always have the same amount. We always have six, but that's yes. a good number <laughs> uh, of odd but true stories that you all have submitted. And man. I did try and put some all I try and do a variety each time, but some of these left me aghast. Yes. Jaws mm-hmm. on the floor. Especially this first one coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Jess, and the subject line is my cousin's choice in wedding photographer sucked. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. It was really a quiet part of Illinois until, you know, it wasn't. 
In 2006, my cousin got married, and 16-year-old me kept telling my mom that the photographer was creepy. She just kept brushing me off as a paranoid teenager, so I shut up, but kept side-eyeing the creep all night. And when we had to sit for those damn wedding family portraits, I scooted out of there like my ass was on fire after the shutter stopped moving. A year or so later, the news is playing after school while I'm in the kitchen, and the photographer from the wedding has his face plastered all over the news because his wife, Stacy, had disappeared. The photographer's name? Drew Peterson. Drew was a Bolingbroke police officer who moonlighted as a wedding photographer. Over the years, it was revealed that Drew's third wife had died of accidental drowning in a waterless bathtub. Right. When they couldn't find any evidence in Stacy's disappearance, the family of the third wife requested the body to be exhumed and a second autopsy performed. The state's attorney for Will County then had enough evidence to file charges against Drew, and he was later convicted in Kathleen Savio's murder. Bonus tidbit. Drew got more time tacked on to his sentence for soliciting the murder of the Will County state's attorney while he was in prison. In a nutshell, he's a real piece of shit. Needless to say, I don't let my mom live it down that she brushed me off when I said the dude was creepy. I also feel like I should add, my cousin's marriage didn't last. Their choice in wedding photographers should be a good indication of how well that all went down. My aunt had a picture of Drew at the wedding. I can see if she still has it if y'all are interested in seeing it. Please, yes. <laughs> Immediately, sinisterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we would like to see that very much. Please this say. is so weird when you're past crossed with someone that turns out to be a a monster. Yeah, and in past, and it's not like, well, we dated and I got weird vibes at the, it's such an innocuous, unrelated mm-hmm. kind of setting that I think it really, it it's even more chilling. Uh, you know, it's like the people that, Dennis Rader came and gave him yeah. a code compliance ticket. And you're like, oh, that guy kind of sucks. I don't know. He's weird. Well, you're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a, a very eerie thing to look back on. And good for you, 16-year-old Jess, being like, something's up. There is a thread throughout a lot of these that I intentionally wove, if you will. <sighs> um, and it is trust your gut. And this is the first of several that we've talked before. When you have that gut instinct – there's a reason you're, it's either those pheromones, <laughs> like she's sipping her wine. There, remember, there's that study that says yes. when someone's about to do something, uh, yeah, you're, you, they release like almost a pheromone or something if they're about to do something bad. So when you get on an elevator and you're like, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't seem right, back the fuck up out of there. No get on the next one. What's, if, you, you know, if you were like, this guy seems like, uh, I don't want him taking my picture. There's probably a reason why, especially when you're 16 and you're not totally jaded yet, like us. Like, you're <laughs> like, you still have, think some people are good in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for sending that in. And we would love to see the picture, please. Please. And you weave in your, weave in the thread through. That's what a story sommelier does. <laughs> Oh, a story Malay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, this next one is also an example of trusting your gut. This is from JD, and it is called Texas Tech Predator. Hi, ladies. I graduated from Texas Tech University a few years ago, and I doubt too much has changed since Christy attended. Tech is a large state school in far west Texas, about an hour from the New Mexico border. It is marked by tumbleweeds, windmills, prairie dogs, and desert plains as far as the eye can see. 
The school has about 35,000 students, as well as law and medical campuses. But during the holiday and summer breaks, the university side of town becomes rather ghost-like, leaving behind the select few of us taking summer classes or just not dying to go back home. I always preferred to say as it was nice not hearing drunken frat boys all the time, and I still had to pay rent over the summer anyhow. This particular summer, my roommate and I both stayed to work in town, but had differing schedules. She worked a 9-to-5, and I had two jobs. One I would go to in the morning from 8-to-2, and the other from 4-to-10. So on a hot, dusty July afternoon, I had just pulled into the parking lot from job number one. I sat on my phone for a few minutes, then got out of my car. As soon as I shut my door, a young guy jumped out of his car about three parking spots down. For some context, I lived in a small complex just off campus that had 18 apartments per unit, six on each floor, three stories high, all on long hallways with exterior doors, similar to a motel. I had lived there for two years at that point and knew all of my neighbors. Only four or five apartments in my unit remained occupied through the summer, but no one was there during the middle of the day. I had spent all breaks on campus and was used to the desolation, and I'm a pretty confident gal in general, but the hair on the back of my neck stood up as soon as the guy got out of his car. He had been sitting in his car until the second I got out and then jumped out. However, he jumped the small shrubs in front of the building and went down the hallway of the first floor. My apartment was on the second floor, so I started up the stairs. About halfway up, I paused and turned. The guy was just a few steps behind me. My heart began beating like crazy. I turned and faced him head on. Do you need to go upstairs? Oh, yeah, sorry. My friend gave me the wrong apartment number, he replied. I moved against the railing and let him pass. I stood in the stairwell for maybe a minute and never heard a door knock or a hello. I booked it back to my car and drove across the complex to another friend's place and stayed there until it was time to go to my next job. That night, I made my roommate talk to me on the phone until she was safely inside and had my boyfriend come over to spend the night with us. Just a few days later, I caught a news report. A girl in the complex just across the street had been kidnapped, held hostage, and assaulted, leaving her apartment in the early morning hours. After a brief manhunt, the guy was caught and linked to another break-in and assault in another part of town. It was the same dude who had been acting so strangely towards me just a few days prior. I'm usually one to brush off paranoia and not a very timid person by nature, but I know that a guardian angel was telling me to be on a high alert that day, and I have been more cautious of my surroundings ever since. Well, go JD, because I like the, do you need something? I mean, you're not like, get the F out of here. It's just direct and clear, and I've made eye contact with you, and I've seen your face. Do you Mm -hmm. need something? So. And they they see that, like, oh, she's assertive. She's obviously, like, she knows I'm here. I can't just sneak up on her. And that's scary to do. To turn, And it's so unnerving when you're, you know you're all alone at that complex. And then there's this, I mean, again, just like the first story, you immediately get that feeling something isn't right. You trust your gut. In this case, your gut was very right. And I'm so glad, J.D., that you... Listen, and it's hard and because it may just be, you know, anybody else that he broke into, they're just asleep and, you know, you think you can trust your apartment. It's hard when your apartment doors open up to the outside, you know, when there's not a, mm-hmm. a mechanism to keep people from even getting to the door. So, and sometimes you can do all your best things and you, it still happens. And that's what I used to tell my 
clients at Legal Aid that, you know, they say, oh, I should have done this. I feel really bad. I was so stupid. I said, no, I mean, it's like if you get bit by a snake, you didn't do anything. That's just what they do. Snakes bite. And Mm -hmm. you just happen to be within biting distance when it was time. And so for the person that did actually get attacked, that's it's sometimes you just you can be the most assertive. You can try your best and it still happens and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how, how hard you tried or how hard you fought. But I'm glad that he got caught. That's horrifying that you see yeah. it's kind of similar to the Drew Peterson one that you see a mugshot on TV and your stomach sinks and you're like, oh, my God, I was mm-hmm. within arm's reach of that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, keeping with the theme, we have from Jesse now, my guts probably kept me alive. There's so much to this story I have to leave out because of length. I was working at my then-boyfriend's store. I was the only one there every day. This man came into the store telling me he opened a cleaning business down the street, wondering if we would be interested in using the service. I told him I would pass on the info to my boyfriend. He then, out of nowhere, proceeded to tell me about his relationship troubles. His wife had admitted to cheating on him on their 20-year anniversary. They have children together and how he met her in 1996 under an overpass and got her clean off drugs. The story goes on. He leaves but starts coming in weekly, telling me about his wife every time. I'm a soft-hearted person, so I listen, give him some encouraging words, although from the moment I met him, red flags were popping up to me. Every time he came in, he would offer to bring my car to his house so that he could detail it for me for free as a thank you for listening. I got very weird stomach feelings every time he walked in the door and told my boyfriend about him. He brushed me off and told me I was paranoid for no reason. This man hadn't done anything or even said anything creepy to me. Still, I was weary of him. The last time he came into the shop, he told me the story of how his wife got him clean off alcohol. He said it was 1994, and his wife told him that she was leaving because she couldn't handle his drinking. My ears perked up. He said he met his wife in 1996. How did she get him sober in 1994, two years before they supposedly met? At this point, I had complained to my boyfriend so much about him that he decided to listen in on our security system. He immediately called me and told me to walk away from the cleaning guy. He said he got weird vibes listening to him and wanted this guy to know that I wasn't alone in the store. So I loudly said our business partner was upstairs so that cleaning guy would hear me. The cleaning guy ended up leaving shortly after and never came back into the store again. Cut to two to three weeks later, and my boyfriend comes to me hanging his head. He apologized for not believing me when I initially voiced my concerns about cleaning guy. Turns out he was on the news. He had savagely beaten his girlfriend, was never married, rolled her up into a rug, and left her to die. She escaped and went to a neighbor's to call police. I've listened to my gut instincts about someone ever since. That is eerie. Horrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's horrifying what happened to his girlfriend. And and it makes you wonder. I mean, I don't think you have to wonder. I think probably the stories he told about her were not even close to true or half truths or whatever. And maybe just trying to make himself sound better, look like a hero. He's a great guy when, in fact, he was an abuser. And it sounds like willing to let, you know, willing to take a life, willing to kill someone. Yeah. And gain yet, sympathy from Jesse, then if her if he gets his car her car over to his house, who, mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say what what could have happened? So good for you for listening to your gut and telling someone, telling your boyfriend, mm-hmm. boyfriend now ex, you should have listened to your then girlfriend. That's the thing too. 
if someone tells you, hey, I've got a really bad feeling about this person, don't just brush it off. Worst case scenario, y'all are all wrong. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, you save somebody's life. I mean, seriously. And it, the whole, I listened, he listened in on the security system. I mean, maybe do that from day one. If mm-hmm. it's like, hey, he came in today, we rewind the tape because this seemed off to me and strange. Especially it's it's bizarre if she's working at the store and this guy's coming in and he's really just coming in to hang out and not buy mm-hmm. anything. It's one thing if you have a friendly rapport with your you know, you see somebody at the same restaurant or I have a breakfast place I go to and, you know, you mm-hmm. have a rapport with them and, and hang out. But I order food. I drink my coffee. I eat my food and I leave. I just don't go and like stare at or tell <laughs> yeah, your no. personal stories to my uh, my brunch bartender. <laughs> so. Well, I think it's also a privilege to not have to worry about things like that. Yeah. Um, another man working in there and a guy comes in. You're not getting creepy vibes because he's not sitting there lying to you and trying to gain your trust and and sympathy and empathy by going on and on about his relationship. That's not, you know, so it's I think it's hard for people that have never had to deal with that to really know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. But you got to you got even if you can't know what it feels like, you can trust what your partner is saying or your friend or family member and take it seriously. Yeah, and listen, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a, a lesson learned for the boy boyfriend, now ex-boyfriend. Now ex, yeah. Now the next one we have is from Allie, and the subject line on this one is Creepy Son in Memory Care East. Hello, I found your podcast a few months ago and have binged all of your episodes. I listened to your most recent Freaky Friday episode, and it brought up an uncomfortable memory I had from about 11 years ago. I used to work overnight in a senior living center in the memory care unit. The building was set up as senior and assisted living in the main building and a memory care wing on the east and another on the west. The building had a secured control entrance where family members visiting or guests would call the resident they were visiting and they would be able to buzz them in. On overnight shifts, the main door would be locked and if for whatever reason a visitor came after 10 p.m., they would have to call the main line that would alert our cell phone and then one of the three employees working would have to let them in. The memory care units could only be accessed from inside the main building, and to get in and out, you had to punch in a code, current month and year. I always worked on the west unit. However, one night, I was working on the east unit because I was covering a shift for someone. When I start my shift at 10, it's not uncommon for family members or visitors to be wrapping up their visits and leaving for the night. This is where I first encountered one of our resident sons, who we will call Michael. Michael, a roughly 50-year-old man, introduced himself to me, a 22-year-old woman. He asked if I were new because he'd never seen me before. I told him I usually work on the West Unit, but was covering for someone that night. The conversation was kept short, and he said goodbye and left for the night. That was a normal shift with nothing to write home about. The next night, though, I was back on my normal unit, and at about 2 in the morning, the main line started ringing. I answered it thinking it was a family member at the door or someone calling to check on a resident. But it was Michael, who was calling to chat with me. I was so confused because it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was at work, and I'm 22, and he was old enough to be my dad. After a couple odd, so uh, how's your shift going? And would you like to meet for coffee when you're off? I quickly told him that I need to finish what I was doing and hung up. I was definitely on edge the rest of the night because it made me uncomfortable to be approached like that at work by a man I didn't know who was significantly older than me. I brushed it off, went home, and went to sleep. 
and woke up later that day and got ready to go in for another shift. When I got there, the girl I was relieving said someone called asking if I worked tonight. She said she told him I was in later this evening. Usually, this would be harmless, but my mind immediately jumped to the night before when Michael had called and asked me all sorts of questions. I told the girl who I thought it was, and she was like, oh yeah, he's always giving me the creeps. Once she left, I called over to the East unit and asked if Michael was there visiting his dad. The CNA on the other end said he had left about 20 minutes ago. I quickly updated her on the situation that happened the night before, and she said she would keep an eye out, but that he had left her unit already. I panicked. I called the CNA working in the main building and updated her and asked if she sees him to let me know so I could, I don't know, hide? Thankfully, no sightings of Michael happened that night, but he did call again about an hour into my shift. I'm not one to stand up for myself, but I was so freaked out by him that I said my boyfriend, non-existent at the time, was picking me up in the morning. That seemed to throw him off. Apparently, it never occurred to him that I might have a boyfriend. For some reason, that shut down all inappropriate contact at work, and I, thankfully, never crossed his path again. I know that nothing serious happened in my story, but the fear and anxiety I remember having were breathtaking, and knowing that he could easily find me at work when I was alone still gives me chills. I'm glad my non-existent boyfriend was able to deter him, and not the fact that he was 30 years older than me contacting me at work. What a loser. This makes me angry on several levels. I can see your, and you, I mean, we both read these in advance. Your face was like, when you got to certain parts of the story. Well, I'll, let me unpack my, my thoughts here. One, the um, audacity of men to think it's okay to call someone at work at two in the morning and just do that. Like, it's, they know, they don't think. Yeah, like she said, I'm 50 years older. There could possibly be a power imbalance here, in her opinion. She's at work. She, you know, they don't think, like, this is creepy. Or they just don't care. I I don't know. But what, one, coworker, don't say she's coming in later. Don't ever give your coworker's schedule out to people. that that, You never know who you're talking to. Just say you don't know. Or say... You can call back at such and such time and speak to the person that's on shift then. Like, but don't give out someone. That's not your uh, place to do that. Thirdly, that a fake boyfriend is the reason that this guy shut it down is just disgusting. Like, she, and that we ha- we feel, I've done that before, that 100%. we feel like you have to give that excuse to get out of something. Because... You just saying, I'm not interested, I'm I, I'm at work, I'm younger, like, obviously, you're not engaging in the conversation, you didn't agree to meet him for coffee. Most people would see the signs and be like, she's not interested. He doesn't. So she has to make up a fake boyfriend, which this guy perceives as another threat, a male threat, and so then he backs off. But nothing she says or does gets her you know what i mean it's just it's i am on one and i have been for the past four days so uh i'm real worked up right now well and it it is very sad and i think it says a lot about certain people's mindset that he won't respect the human actual real Mm -hmm. human existing in front of him but will respect an imaginary male that he's never they never met never Uh seen all he's heard is oh, he's coming to pick me up, and that is enough of a threat for him to say, okay, I'll stop calling. It's like, 
it's a you're more afraid of an imaginary man mm-hmm. than an alive woman who's yeah. here in front of you saying, "Please leave me alone." And 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 the fear, like she said, maybe nothing happened, but I wanted to include this because I feel like. A ton of listeners and ourselves too can relate. Ex- I know exactly what this feels like to, mm-hmm. for someone to know where you work or where you live. Maybe it's a creepy neighbor or some, and you don't feel safe like going to something that you have to go to. You have to mm-hmm. go to your job. This guy knows where you work and everything, and you're alone. You're vulnerable, and the fear and anxiety, like she said, it is breathtaking. And so many people just like live like that yeah it's horrifying to think that you he at least for a certain amount of hours set hours set days knows where to find you mm-hmm. and i'll be damned if your coworkers out there spilling the schedule mm-hmm. to anybody that's got a finger to dial like him it up if somebody mm-hmm. is like especially if you're not super close to your colleague because in this case thankfully it was just this guy he he, he was creepy but god forbid Allie or another colleague is in a domestic violence situation right. and they're estranged and they, you know, finally managed to get away. And it's like, oh, I was just wondering what time they're working. You think you're doing something innocuous and then they show up and commit an act of violence or make a scene or at, at any point you're or at, at any rate, you're breaching her privacy, yes. especially not knowing any further because you should she shouldn't have to go around and go, could you please respect my privacy right. and not tell everyone my schedule no. is? I think that should be the baseline that it, that's a given. You don't, yes, yes, you don't. Don't endanger your colleague. If she says, hey, if anybody calls asking when I'm coming in, feel free to tell them. But otherwise, it's not your place. We did a Freaky Friday a few months ago where that uh, it was, she was also a nurse. Mm-hmm. And the guy showed up pretending to be a doctor mm-hmm. and in all of that. So you, when you work at a place that's public and you have kind of a set schedule, that can be unnerving. Oh, when people sure. learn it and, you know, I don't know. I Buddy systems are great, if possible. Like two people working on a on a shift. I know that's not always, especially in hospitals and stuff. But I'm glad, um, Allie, that you also followed your gut instinct and that even though you shouldn't have had to have given an excuse of a fake boyfriend, at least he, he left you alone after that. Yeah, nobody should be subjected to that at work Mm-mm. where you feel um, – literally preyed upon because it's not just it'd be one thing if you guys are chatting back and forth and really hit it off and he's like do you want to get coffee and Mm -hmm. you're like you know i would or even like no and then that was it but Mm -hmm. the calling i mean this goes beyond so i'm glad that uh hopefully it's over if he never never calls again but get a clue man get a clue yeah she's not interested no well thank you Allie. this next one's from amanda and the subject line reads grandpa sees dead people gives signs from beyond the grave Hello to my favorite podcasters. My name is Amanda, and you can use my name and any others in my story. I was raised by a single mother, and although my dad and I had a good relationship, I didn't see him often, and my grandma and grandpa were basically a second set of parents to me. My family owned our small town's newspaper, and my grandpa owned and operated it most of his life. My mom and aunt still work there today. My grandpa always had lots of stories about things he saw over the years. He was what we always called a sensitive When I was a kid, I remember him telling me about the time when he was in middle school, just sitting in class, when a figure that looked like a head with no body floated across the room and out the window. He always told it in such a nonchalant way like it was no big deal, meanwhile scaring the literal shit out of nine-year-old me. 
Another one of his stories was a time when he was very stressed out about the newspaper, as running a weekly small-town paper isn't the most lucrative business. Times had been tough, and he was faced with the possibility of having to sell the business. He and my grandma were sitting in their chairs that evening, and plain as day, he heard a woman's voice say his name, Jean. He turned to my grandma and asked her what she had wanted, and she had no idea what he was talking about. He said that after he heard that voice, it was like a weight was lifted off his shoulders. The paper ended up surviving, and things got much better. About 15 years ago, he and Grandma were sitting in the same place in their chairs, and he looked up and saw his dad in the next room. This happened sometime around 2005, and his dad had been dead since just after my mom was born. He said out loud, You shouldn't be here, and his dad disappeared. He also had stories about working at the newspaper. The building next door was the print shop where the paper was printed in its early days. There was also a place over there where my grandpa would develop pictures for the paper before digital was a thing. He would often see shadow figures out of the corner of his eye watching him work. He said he always felt like he was being watched over there. The last encounter he ever told me about was when I had been down at the newspaper office to meet up with my mom and aunt for coffee. We walked out the door and my grandpa stayed there. He told us later that night that a shadow figure had followed us out the door. I was the last one to walk out, so it was literally right behind me. I asked him why he didn't say anything at the time, and he said he didn't want to scare me. That's the kind of guy he was, always looking out for us. On February 3rd, 2021, we lost my grandpa to COVID-19. I've never felt so terrible about anything in my entire life. I fell into a pretty deep depression as he had to be hospitalized in another city and we were not able to visit him. It really bothered me that he died with none of his family to be able to be by his side. This man had done so much for me, and I felt so guilty that I couldn't be with him when he needed me. I asked him for a sign that he was okay. I live in a town about 80 miles from my family. I still get the newspaper every week as my mom and aunt still own and operate it. They send out the papers on Wednesdays, and they have to go to Des Moines first, then they come to me. In the seven years I've lived where I live now, I had never gotten my paper on a Thursday. It was almost impossible for it to get there that fast. Usually it was a Saturday or the following Monday that I got it. After lots of praying and asking for signs that Grandpa was okay, I went out and checked my mailbox on a Thursday. I had my paper. His obituary was on the front page with his smiling face looking up at me as soon as I opened my mailbox. This was almost completely impossible to have it this early. We weren't able to have a proper funeral for him right away due to COVID. We decided to have a celebration of life for him that July, the weekend of his birthday. I've only gotten my paper on a Thursday one other time, the paper that had the announcement about his celebration of life on the front page that July. I know this is his way of telling me that he's okay, and it makes my heart so happy. I hope my story brings you peace to know that there are always little signs out there. I don't know whether his being as sensitive helped him to send me these signs, but I'm so grateful he did. That is such a sweet, I mean, I love the idea of, you know, running this small town newspaper and it's your passion. And so if you do pass on, that's like the perfect way to send a sign. It's the same thing you've been doing. And his family still owns it, which is great that it's still still in the family. Still taking care of the family. Mm-hmm. And also very sweet that he didn't want to scare you. Maybe if he is a sensitive, he knew it was not a dangerous shadow mm-hmm. figure. But if I was on camera with you right now and saw a shadow figure, <laughs> I would tell you. I your back. And but I'm like, also not a sensitive. It's so short. It has two pointy ears and a snout. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah. 
They're, it's making demon noises. It's just Petal. It it's, was just, Petal. it's just my pig, yeah. It was Petal the whole time. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for that beautiful story. And we hope you get more lovely newspaper signs from Grandpa in the future. This final one is from Lynn's D. And the subject line is, brace yourself, y'all. The subject line is Mom's Mothman Encounter. Hello, ladies. I've been meaning to sit down and type this out for a while now, and I finally did it. This story is about my mom's Mothman encounter. Back in 2002, my boyfriend and I, both 18 at the time, went to see the Mothman Prophecies movie, which had just come out. After the movie, we were heading to meet up with some friends, so I called my mom to let her know. Her, not knowing what movie we decided to see, asked, and I told her. We saw the Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere and Deborah Messing, you know, from Grace, from Will and Grace. We both love that show. I briefly explained the plot to her and how the Mothman was depicted in the movie, a large bird-like creature with glowing red eyes. I don't remember our exact exchange at the time, but I imagine it was something along the lines of, Mom, oh, I told you about the time I saw the Mothman. Me, uh, no, you absolutely did not. So me and the boyfriend continued our evening that day, and the next day I asked my mom what she was talking about when she said she saw the Mothman. This is her story as I remember her telling me. It was the early 1960s. She was around eight or nine and living with her parents in a row home, like a townhouse, in Dundalk, Maryland. Behind the houses was an alley that had a bright street lamp a few houses down. My mom's room was on the second floor, and the street lamp was in the view from her window. She said one night she woke to a weird screeching noise and looked out her window to investigate. That's when she saw this large bird-like creature with large outspread wings, but it didn't have feathers. It was standing under the street lamp and had glowing red eyes that she described as hypnotic, and she couldn't look away. I'm not sure how long this encounter lasted, but she said the next day she dropped their family dog out of a window. The dog was okay. I'm assuming it was from the first floor. My mom was a huge animal lover her whole life and rescued many dogs and cats and gave them the best life, so this was definitely out of character for her. After learning about this, we did some research about the Mothman and read similar stories involving animals. Apparently, it doesn't like animals. My mom unfortunately passed away from breast cancer in 2020, but I wanted to share her encounter with the Mothman. She and I were big into paranormal and true crime. Obviously, I still am. And I know she would have loved your podcast. I hope I get to hear this on the pod eventually. Thanks for keeping me company and making me laugh while I work on my projects around the house. All the best, Lynn's D. Hypnotic. Dude, staring in the eyes. That's why everybody depicts Mothman with that big old juicy ass. Mm-hmm. He's trying Jason. to. He's got those bedroom eyes, trying to <laughs> trying to get inside your house and then your pants. Right. I didn't know about this thing of maybe he uh, tries to persuade you to hurt your pets. I didn't know that that Mothman didn't like animals. It makes sense if he's. Barked at or chased by dogs, but mm-hmm. I don't think he should use his power for evil. No. I think that he should only use his power for good. But I uh, love the nonchalance with which your mom's like, yeah, I saw Mothman. I told you that. Oh, yeah. Remember that time? <laughs> when? Yeah. I have seen the Mothman prophecies. I don't really remember it. I remember mm-hmm. they're driving down the road when Deborah Messing sees a vision of it and she wrecks her car. Perhaps dies? I don't remember. I, when we covered it, I read the book. That that they based the movie on, so I don't think I, I never watched the movie. Maybe she doesn't, but I know there's a lot of visions, and then it all unfolds as to what the visions were and everything. So, 
Yeah, man. What was sometime in the 90s that came out, I guess. Yeah, she got the vision from the Mothman. Saw those eyes. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't go home and drop your dog off the roof. So Yeah, that's wild. I'm, like, I'm glad to hear the dog was okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe, I don't know what the Mothman does. Makes you nervous, and so you drop the dog or whatever. But come on, Mothman, do better. Be nicer <laughs> to animals. <laughs> Well, thank you to everyone that submitted your odd but true stories. They uh, were always, they were a doozy, just like always. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot or Mothman, mm-hmm. you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, the June mini-sode is a Murdoch update, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole? Relationship Advice, Off My Chest is a new one we've been doing, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. We also have some videos coming that uh, Heather does a great job putting <laughs> together. They're funny. They're informational. Um, they're jaw-dropping with the cinematic masterpiece she creates. And uh, we have one coming up from the Ohio State Reformatory that uh, when we toured the prison. And then also um, Toronto. So those will be coming out in the next week and a half or so. And we have footage of Grandpa's Cheese Castle. Oh, that's true. Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Oh, sorry. Grandpa's Cheese Barn. The Cheese Castle is between Chicago and Milwaukee, and we have to go. So <laughs> We base our tour stops around where is there a large building where we can buy cheese. Yeah, someone asked us, are you going to the Mars Cheese Castle? And by the time you hear this, we will have been. I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm saying it. Make it. Putting it into the universe. There you go. You also have fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime. Share personal ghost stories or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. Or share an episode with them by clicking the three dots at the top. Or you can go to sinisterhood.com slash playlist and share any type of playlist with them. We've got them all divided up into different categories. True crime, cryptids, cults, whatever you're fancy. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We also have TikTok and YouTube. And Christy, where are you out on the internet? I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace and on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or DTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and I'm on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin